All right, speaking of simple, so I have to give, as we lean into our final, our final piece, our final uh, pathway, I have to give a, a disqualifier, or a qualifier, which one is it? Qualifier. Well, it's kind of disqualifying my, yeah, in case I do, in case this is horrible. Uh, so, and up until last night at 5.30, uh, this was supposed to be a team teaching message. So Sabrina, our, one of our other pastors, uh, she was supposed to be team teaching with me, but she fell ill last night at like 5.30 and got a fever and, and couldn't make it. So we're kind of just spitballing here a little bit because she had all the good ideas. So, so anyways... But no, there was, we were going to do some dialogue. So what we're going to do is I'm going to lead us through just a simple conversation. It's not going to be nearly as, as nice and linear as, as typically I try to do if, if there is a nice and linear to anything that I give. But, um, but we're going to just kind of toss out a number of ideas. And then we're actually going to toss it back to you all. Since we won't have a time next week, we begin Advent. So next week we won't have that debriefing time that we've had at the beginning because we're in a new series and a new conversation. So we're just going to hop into this. But if you're like... If it feels disjointed, that's because that was supposed to be where Sabrina saves the day. All right? Okay. So, cool. Uh, there's this passage in Philippians, and it's a, the message is a paraphrased translation. And, and Paul is writing just about what it means to continue to be the church and to encourage people to be looking in the right direction. And he, and he finishes his little um, section by saying, agree with each other, love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. All right? Or care for one another deeply. And that word deep is there. And, it, and it, it hints to something different about friendships. And so we decided that we wanted to spend a morning reflecting on what we are calling the pathway of soul friendships. Or soul friendship. Um, Ruth Haley Barton is a, an author. And she wrote a book called Life Together in Christ. And she says in, in her book, she says, Community is one of the most overpromised and undelivered promises of the modern Christian life. Community is one of the most overpromised and underdelivered promises of the modern Christian life. I think she's right. We often talk about the value of, of community, but and specifically as it gets more narrow, the, the, the value of being able to be known and to, to draw one another more deeply into a life of faith, of discipleship. But often it just doesn't translate into people's real-world experiences with, with the church or with, with um, the community around Christ. Uh, in in uh, the, the book of John, Jesus is talking with his disciples in a really kind of intense uh, section. And he's talking about how, um, you know, in the rabbi-disciple relationship, the rabbi's disciples would follow and serve their rabbi. Okay, so this language, I mean, the rabbis would do every, or the, I'm sorry, the disciples, specifically in the Galilean culture, the disciples would do everything. They would prepare the rabbi's meals for him. They would go ahead of him and, and um, make sure that everything was organized for whatever the needs would be for where they were staying or anything like that. Um, they would just, essentially, they would wait on their, on their rabbi, um, hand and foot, as, in, in many, many ways. And so Jesus takes this idea and says, you've been servants in many ways, and that's how you've seen yourselves. And then he says, I no longer call you servants. Jesus talks about calling his disciples friends. Very, very interesting. He says, instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. But Jesus taught, like, that just sounds like, okay, so Jesus says, by being a friend, it's by, I've communicated what God gave me 
you know. But Jesus did that to everybody, right? Like to huge crowds. Everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. So Jesus must be getting at something deeper because he's giving a specific comment to his disciples. And he's saying, I see you and understand that you are friends. And the mark of that friendship is that what's within me has been shared with you. Probably at a deeper level than what he taught the crowds. His very self, in some ways, had been opened up to them. Some of his disciples saw him weep. Some of his disciples saw him in agony. Some of his disciples saw him when his own family rejected him and questioned his identity, and he had to wrestle with that. We don't get the stories behind when your mom says, we're not sure. Actually, she was one of the better ones, but there was a time where everybody was questioning. Certainly, his brothers. James came around eventually, wrote a really good book later. Um, but, But all of these pieces, his disciples were with him. When others deserted him, they saw him weak. They saw him passionate. And he says, you know, this relationship, it's not, I, I'm sharing who I am with you. And, and, and so I see you as, as friends. And, uh, and I think it's important that we just acknowledge that. Um, I think this is a <laughs> ring, ring true, anyone? Yeah. Um, I, I thought that that was particularly Particularly true, no one talks about Jesus' miracle of having 12 close friends in his 30s. Maybe the greatest miracle. Um, Jesus seems to think that friendship is really important. And, And friendship in his deepest form entails the very sharing of what God is doing inside. All right? Um... And that's what sets certain types of friendship apart. John, or Jesus, just a couple of chapters earlier during the same interchanges um, in the book of, of John, talks about how his disciples will be known. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There seems to be some repetitiveness that Jesus is getting at with the word love over and over again. When we think about relationships that are founded on love, we often think about serving one another, which is good. Like doing things for each other. That's, you know, show that you love one another by, by doing stuff, which is, which is great. We often think about outward actions. But what if one of the things that Jesus is getting at here is that people will be able to tell that you are a disciple because you will share in the types of friendships that reveal true love, that go beneath the surface of life and connect with the soul. What if Jesus is saying... When your relationships are truly known by love and depth, that's going to be a witness to the rest of the world that you are people of God, that you are my people. That'll be a trademark of the Christian community. People are able to know and love on a really deep level. The, the realities of our... So every, every expression of faith, every single expression of faith, in some way is, is influenced by the culture in which it's embedded in. Okay? So our understanding of, of Christian faith, is deeply affected by the fact that we live in the United States, okay, and the values of the United States. And so a a faith that might naturally move much more relational and communal has a very heavy influence on individualism in the United States. So so we understand Christian faith as being very personal, very, very personal. Um, We're inundated with messages of just kind of being independent on the whole in our culture, the fear of appearing weak or appearing needy to other people, and, and we have a glorification 
uh, in the last few generations of the nuclear family. You might not think that's true, but it is up and against extended family, clan, and tribal connections. So this glorification of the nuclear family means that we have become less and less comfortable with real relationships of depth with people outside of our blood. Now that doesn't go across the board, of course, but, but it often is how we experience life. And, and so and when you add that to like the cultural weirdness that many of us have of talking about our faith with others, period, we can talk about church experiences, but talking about like what's stirring within us that puts us on like a weird level with other people. Very like, I don't know how to do this, right? It can be a hard process because faith has become so personal. So we can come up with so many reasons to avoid soul friendships. And Sabrina's brainstorming will bring a few of those in in just a moment. Um, we can also say that, hey, we go to church and we're in the same building. That's great. So we're, we're moving on the same journey, right? Um, that means that we're practicing relationships. It can, for sure. But it can also be like, you know, you're all facing the same direction right now. And something happens when you do this. Okay? Something big happens in the life of our faith. And so, so this isn't enough. Love it. Love being able to get together. Love chatting a little bit over coffee. There are deep connections. There are meaningful connections. But maybe they could be a springboard to something that's truly life-altering with Jesus. Um, so, unless we have time and prioritize sharing in face-to-face personal connection of depth, of depth, then we will miss one of the greatest ways that God wants to reveal himself. Jesus desires to be friends with us, and Jesus wants our friendships with each other to be a glimpse into his relationship with all of us. We were made to share life in community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, a a spiritual formation writer, um, German theologian, um, said, we were made to have, quote, friendships mediated by Jesus. Friendships mediated by Jesus. I kind of, I, I, I kind of like that phrase. Um, but it feels like these are the most challenging relationships to establish. Because maybe we've gotten used to how, how to have friendships already, or maybe we just don't have friendships if we're really honest. Not really. We don't have many friendships. And we might feel like establishing some new ways of relating to people really does feel tricky and weird when it gets into real life. So, um, so Sabrina offered a few I, um, of the reactions that we sometimes have when we get the idea of soul friends introduced. So just imagine um, a group of friends or a community um, that, whatever, meets together, likes to do sports, whatever. The idea of, of, of moving towards soul friendship, a friendship that shares... Um, that shares a deeper connection about loves, fears, challenges, faith as, an, as, as a primary part of the, of the connection gets introduced. And these are some of the, the things that come up when the idea of soul friendship is mentioned. One is, I already have a best friend. Right? They're like, I've got, I've got a best friend. Um, and that's not actually what soul friendship is about. Um, best friends and soul friends or spiritual friends are not the same thing. Um, you may have friends that know you so deeply and know everything about you, and yet you still, they aren't necessarily the people that together spur you on to follow Jesus in a deeper way. Maybe they are, and maybe that is a soul friend. But it's not the same thing, and it doesn't mean that we're asking you to replace deep friendships. Um, other people say, like, well, some folks are just lucky, right, to have a soul friend, to have somebody that they connect with on that level. I'd love it, but, you know, it, it's just got to be, like, magic. And, and that's not really true either. Like, these things take actual work and initiative. So sometimes it means asking someone, hey, I'd love to hear more about your journey. Do you want to have a cup of coffee? 
doesn't always happen automatically or naturally. Sometimes it does, but sometimes the way the Spirit opens us up is to just take the next step. Um, then there's the, just the, the challenge of, of saying, you know what, I'm kind of a solo person. That's, I'm, a, I'm not a verbal processor. I'm an internal processor. And so I don't really need that, those kinds of friendships because I do my best work alone. Um, internal processors and introverts and those who are drawn to the more contemplative, monastic kind of life um, or, or connections with God, their experiences will still be enriched by spiritual friendship and the depth that they have cultivated will be able to be shared with other people too. And sometimes those who have the most depth, the most freshness, uh, or the most um, insights can keep it to themselves. Uh, and, and there's a calling there too for what we can be as spiritual friends, not just what we can get from them. Uh, and, then, and then the other one that can sometimes happen is the idea, I have, I have a couple of good friends, so I'll just focus on making our friendships more spiritual. Okay, This could possibly be a recipe for disaster, just be aware, because not all, it has to be a mutual desire. To move towards soul friendship, the spiritual practice of soul friendship means that there must be intentionality on both people to say, I would love to to go a little deeper, to be a bit more vulnerable, to encourage toward faith, okay? And so that might be something that's open, but there's no guarantee that everyone's going to be on the same page. And so um, so if that doesn't happen, say, well, it's just not my thing. I, I tried to ask my best friend if they wanted to, like, talk about faith, and they're, like, just looked at me blankly. That's not always what we're talking about here. Um, but if we begin to say, all right, Lord, are there people, are there situations that you are drawing me into where I can actually connect with others in a way that draws me more toward you? Um, what, what ends up happening? Here are just a couple of the beautiful things that when we see soul friendship as a pathway to Jesus, that begins to happen. Um, The first thing is it builds empathy in us because we learn to see and hear how someone else is relating to God. Uh, Someone else's life experiences and perspectives are going to be so different from our own that when we can sit with someone who is wrestling on a journey of discipleship and hear what they're saying and doing, all of a sudden we begin to have empathy because your, your experience is different than mine. Now I can see and care about someone whose life doesn't look exactly like mine, and all of a sudden I become more compassionate in the world. Um, That's linked to the next one, which helps us see the world in fresh ways. So it's not just about how I feel toward you, but you reveal God to me in fresh ways. All of a sudden I look around and say, oh my goodness, I never even thought about how that situation that you just mentioned in your own life opened you up to to trusting God in new ways or to meeting Jesus. So we have, um, it offers opportunities also for both affirmation and encouragement right? We are called over and over in the scriptures to encourage one another, to build each other up. And these are opportunities where you actually know how you can do those things because you know enough about someone to actually say, let me encourage you here. It sounds like you are exhausted, you know? Um, Let me affirm the beauty that I see of God's work in your life because most of us aren't as good at recognizing God at work in our lives as an insightful spirit-led person who's watching us. Like, it's amazing how much encouragement other people, when you're in relationship with, say, yeah, you know you're, you're missing something right there. <laughs> like, like, there's some beautiful stuff happening. Stop putting yourself down or stop, stop uh, you know, um, making light of something that, that is actually a strength of yours. You know, it, we, we get to see each other and practice these things in different ways. Um, it reminds us also that we're not alone in our faith. This one's kind of obvious, uh, but, but there's this constant pull in our world, 
to go more independent. And so this is the push in the other direction. You're not alone in your life. You're not alone in your faith. And intentional friendships allow for that to happen. And then finally, it teaches us to listen for the Spirit. If, uh, if we're in relationship with one another and the goal is to move toward Jesus together, then I'm listening for what God's up to. And I'm, it's one more avenue for me to practice how to listen for the Spirit at work and recognize it. So, so there's all of these things that happen, all right? We just don't even talk about this kind of stuff very often, but in past generations they did. The, the Celts or Celtic, Celtic? I mean, I'm going to go with Celtic and say that the basketball team really doesn't have the, the corner on the market here. Okay, so um, the Celtic way of life deeply valued. The St. Bridget was one of the, um, the Celtic uh, kind of Christian mothers, and, and she once said that a man without a soul, friend, is like a man without a head. <laughs> there is something about being a, a whole person um, that a soul friend can make possible. Um, Anamchara is the Gaelic word for soul friend. It was the style of spiritual formation that was given to a new monk or a nun when they would enter a monastery. So they would be matched up with somebody. Sometimes it was a mentor type of relationship, but not always. Um, but they would be matched up with somebody where um, they, would, they would kind of journey together with the intentionality of coming together and saying, let us encourage one another know what's going on in each other's lives, and move toward Jesus together. And so there's this one dude, and his name is Elred of Rival. Sounds like uh, he was a character on the Game of Thrones. And so uh, he lived in the 12th century, so in the end of the 1100s. So just, can we just sit back for a second and talk about how people a thousand years ago were reflecting on the deep value of Christian friendship and how interesting and cool that is that we're connected to that? Because it's really interesting that we, we are rooted in ways of thinking. Um, so anyways, he, one of his famous kind of leading thoughts was Christ, Christ is friendship's principle and, and goal. The, the ultimate goal of friendship in certain ways, in certain settings, ought to be to move more toward Christ. And beautiful things can happen when that's the case. So anyways, he spent his life doing three things. Contemplative prayer, spiritual labor, and or simple labor and spiritual friendships. And the third one was what he, he connected with a lot. He wrote more than anybody else from this era. He wrote about this idea of spiritual friendships or soul friendship. And so he's got all these quotes that I think are just really fascinating. And we're just going to sit with them for a, a little bit here. One of the, so he would have conversations and then he would write down some of them later for, for his, his own books and stories. Here we are, you and I, and I hope that Christ makes a third. I love that phrase. Here we are, you and I, and I hope Christ makes a third. As Sabrina and I were working on that this week, we, we talked about a third chair. Not actually setting up a third chair when you hang out with someone. That might be awkward. Um, but, but considering and, and even acknowledging the presence of Jesus with you in conversation. No one can interrupt us now, so come, dearest friend, reveal your heart and speak your mind. He also wrote, you should separate that friendship which is spiritual from the many other kinds of friendship. Spiritual friendship is to some extent involved with and obscured by other kinds of friendships which can hinder those who desire spiritual friendship. So in other words, it's okay to have people with whom you don't like share life and hang out with every holiday, but that you get together and can encourage each other on a deep level. You don't have to try to force every friendship to be the same. Some of my deepest soul friendships in my life um, never even met my family. 
I met, him, met a guy, uh, another pastor at a conference once, and uh, we just, there was a connection there, and we started meeting for coffee once a month, and we did that for two years. That's the only time I ever saw him, and then he got reassigned to Southern Maryland, and he moved away. But we would meet every single month and share in this incredibly just rich conversation and encouragement, and I never even met his family. <laughs> uh, that's not like a secretive thing, but uh, the, the point is that it wasn't like the same people that we hung out with, you know, on the weekends. There were just times sometimes where God opens doors for certain types of people to connect on a deep level for encouragement. Uh, test your own intent to ensure that you're looking for nothing from the friendship except God and that natural good that comes from your mutual friendship. Uh, too many goals or expectations of what a friendship is supposed to do and be outside of being fully present with someone in this setting can actually kill it. I love they said one can make a rather easy transition from human friendships to friendship with God himself. So Alred believed that if you have a deep soul friendship, it gives you practice and a glimpse for how to relate to God in new ways. Because people are right in front of you, they're physical. And so it opens the door for you in a, a deeper way to connect with God as spirit being. Um, and then one of the last things, you can't quite see it, but it says, perhaps our conversation here will be like spiritual food or drink for you. I just love these little, these little quotes. Perhaps sitting together sometimes is almost or even better, is, is like the soul, is like a meal for the soul. Do you have relationships right now that when you spend time with them, they're like a meal for your soul? Jesus invites you to intentionally form some friendships that are like that. Um, and then C.S. Lewis has this great, friendship is born at the moment, and he's talking about soul friendship here, when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself. And so there's this idea that sometimes the spirit opens doors, and when you hear somebody say something or something where you're like, there's a connection there, I resonate with that. Maybe, maybe part of that is God's nudge to say, hey, that might be an opportunity for mutual encouragement there. There might be something there that God is drawing out that, that helps you both connect with one another. Uh, there's, there's just such beauty. And I, I even love the what you too because it kind of encourages us to ask really good questions and, and offer what's actually going on in response to really, really good questions. You too. Tell me more about that. I 